3: Hello and welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. Chris Stemp here, and thank you for tuning in. I'm really curious what you thought about the last two episodes that John and I did where we recorded by ourselves, released them kind of right back to back. Interested what you thought of that process. We've already seen a lot of emails come in talking about things they learned, things they hope we will do going forward. Really love to hear from you all. So thanks for sending that in. Let's get on to this week's episode. I'm excited to bring it to you because not only have we never covered it, but we have heard from you that this topic or these types of topics are relevant to you and needed. This week, we are speaking with Mary Beth Ferrante about the miracle workers that are working moms. You see, Mary Beth built her entire coaching practice around the difficulties that working moms have. What's it like to go back to work? What's it like to take time off? How do you negotiate higher salary? How do you make sure that you're not pigeonholed into this mom role and not taken seriously professionally? You know, this topic couldn't be more pertinent, especially to me right now. I have my two and a half year old and we have another one on the way, probably coming within the next one to two months. So I see what my wife goes through and Getting up and doing your day and acting like everything's normal, even though everything in your body is changing. But not only that, what's it like to have to leave work? How are you judged? I'll just give you a clue on one insight that I had in this episode that I really never thought of. Mary Beth explains how when working moms go back into the workforce after having children, if they have young ones at home and they leave early to tend to those kids, Sometimes they'll hear things like, well, why do you get to go home early? Oh, it's just your kids. Can't you deal with it some other way? But then in the same token, if those working moms stay late, they'll get the look or the comment or the behind the back talk that is, I wonder who's taking care of the kids. And just that is a microcosm of the difficulties of being a woman, being a mother, and working in today's environment. Mary Beth is a certified career coach with the International Coach Federation. She's trained in organizational relationship and system coaching, and she has chaired national women's organizations and been on the board of directors of the Junior League of Los Angeles. In her previous life, she was the SVP at a top Fortune 100 firm, and she got to see firsthand what it was like to make that transition from a striving, hardworking, powerful woman to a new mom trying to navigate the corporate environment. So I'm going to turn it over to Mary Beth. Hopefully you enjoy this episode. You can find more about her at her website, liveworklead.com. And please let us know what you think. We are at smartpeoplepodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out and I hope you enjoy the show. All right. Well, Mary Beth, first, I just want to say thank you so much for taking time away from your seven week old and being on the show.
2: <laughs> thank you, Chris. I'm so happy to be here.
3: You know, as you have this business related to uh, women at work and how they deal with being a mother and all of that, it must be on the ground analysis you get to do now that you have a seven week old and almost a three year old.
2: Definitely. And it really is the driver for all of this um, is becoming a working parent myself and really being in the reality of juggling both my career aspirations as well as you know wanting to be that really good mom at home too.
3: Well, let's start here. Let's actually start with your story and the business that you have so we get a really solid understanding of who you are and how you got here. And then we'll jump into exactly what you do and some questions I have.
2: Fantastic. So my company, liveworklead.com, we're really committed to supporting working parents. And it really all stemmed from my own experience. So I returned to work uh, after the birth of my first child. I was working for a Fortune 500 company. I was in a fairly senior leadership position. I was an SVP in business strategy. And I was working in a team of all men, and really having a very different experience than they were having in their careers and managing their families. And so when I returned to work, it was all niceties in the beginning, but by two o'clock in the afternoon, I had a full slate of projects. I was 100% considered back at work and was already feeling very overwhelmed. And it had been about six hours. Wow. (laughs) So I knew that I needed, you know, support and that I needed to kind of think about how I was structuring, you know, balancing this, this role as a mom and a role as my role as a professional. And so I had reached out to a woman who was kind of on the outskirts of my team. She was on our our kind of broader team who was a mom, but she was a little bit older. Her kids were in middle school, high school age. And When I reached out to her to kind of just get advice and, and understanding, you know, she said to me, oh, well, it just takes time. You'll get through it. And that was honestly like a dagger to my heart, which I know seems very dramatic. But when you are just kind of back in it and you have a newborn and you're not even sleeping, all you want is something real and tangible to be helpful in figuring out, how to be a mom and how to be a, a career woman as well and be a professional at work. And that truly was the the kind of idea behind um, Live Work Lead mm-hmm. was giving women support in that moment when you're transitioning to maternity leave, transitioning back from maternity leave, um, and really knowing how to figure out that first critical year back, because if you don't and you you are struggling, you're going to leave or you're going to take a step back in your career. And I know from from me personally that I did not want to regret my career because of becoming a mom. And and it was a little bit of an identity crisis, to be honest, of like, who am I as this professional and now as this mom and and how do I figure out? who I am being both of those things.
3: Right. And the thing is, as a man, but also as a a parent and soon to have my second as well, you know, I went through a litany of emotions and feelings, but I struggle to understand, of course, what it is like for the mom. Right. So I think there's so much similarity, but in reality, seeing it firsthand, there's so many differences. What is it that really sparked you to say, I need to focus on new moms, the women specifically and help them deal with this balance between work and new role as a mother?
0: Well,
2: I think there's um, just a different level of expectation, new dads. and, And let me tell you, I am glad that I am a parent in 2018 now. And that I have a supportive husband who wants to be all in and get his hands dirty with our kids and is not, you know, that traditional dad that just comes home and puts his feet up and expects dinner to be ready back in the day, like in the 50s that mm-hmm. we all you know, saw on TV or mm-hmm. whatever was happening back then. But I do think that there is a difference in bias that still happens. Women and moms are judged for being at work and for not being at work. They're judged for leaving early and for not leaving early, right? If you leave early, I can't believe you have to go pick up your kids and you're out the door at five o'clock while the rest of us are slaving away yep. until 7 PM. But if you're sitting along next to them till 7 PM, wow, who's watching your kids?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm.
2: What how how are you raising your children? You know, is somebody else raising your children? Like those are the questions that moms get that dads never get. And there's even in my husband's and I relationship, a a really interesting kind of tidbit, which is there's an expectation with men that once you become a dad, that you're really all in on your career because you have a family to support. And my husband even briefly mentioned to his boss when he told him that I was pregnant with my, with our second, that he was like, yeah, and just said in passing, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to, how I'm going to you know, manage all the money of this, like how I'm gonna fund our lives with now two kids and diapers and all the stuff that comes with it. Mm -hmm. And his boss simply said, Yeah, you know, we should talk about that. We should really take a look at your salary. Which to me is shocking that all he had to say was, I'm having another kid. Nothing to do with his even professional life, for his boss to even say, like, oh yeah, let's have that conversation. Right. Whereas that would never happen with a woman. Hmm. And you know, on average women, actually moms make $11,000 less than a man in a similar role.
3: I was, I was having this conversation literally last night that before, (laughs) and I'll, I'll openly admit this before I was a parent more. So when I was younger and in that I was working in finance, I was in that kind of corporate world. I saw it all the time. You know, the women, Oh, I've got to leave. I've got to go pick up my kid or, Oh, I had to call in sick because my child was sick. And I remember not thinking, wow, how could you do that? I really didn't think that. I remember thinking, though, I mean, everybody has kids. Is it really that hard? I I do. Now, I was like 22. But I'm saying, thinking like, yeah, I get it. But the whole world is predicated on people having children. It can't be that hard. Can't we get this taken care of and get our work done? Then I had a kid and my mind was blown. blown. Blown
2: and but I think what you said the whole world is predicated on having children But the way that the u.s.'s work system was set up was based on the fact that someone is home raising the children Mm -hmm. it is set up for a one working parent household yet We live in a world where 63 percent of households have two working parents And uh, the reason that number is even so low is because there are so many single parents so you have to think about the fact that at least, I think it's more like 78% of moms work. And and so you're you're juggling this world where we're built for one person to really manage the household and manage the children and be able to, you know, take care of them from at least until they're in school. And and not that, that it ends at that point by any means, but that you're at least having them out of the house for a few hours at that point.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: We're not shifting our work environment to support the fact that the majority of households need two working parents.
3: Do you see that there's any change coming? Or is there a change happening as we speak?
2: I think there are glimmers of hope. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We've got Time's Up right now, Me Too, these huge movements that are happening around women and equity, pay equity, experience equity, you know, making sure that there are safe workplaces without harassment. But I think the other part of this conversation is supporting parenthood. And we have to be in a position where we are giving more flexibility and more maternity leave, paternity leave, both of them. I'm a big fan of both and more access to child care to allow us to really thrive as, you know, working parents. We're still far, far behind other countries. It's actually unbelievable how poor the U.S. is in terms of providing support from childcare and from paternity and maternity leave. And so I think those things have to happen as a nation for us to make a significant shift. But I do think that companies are starting to really raise the bar, right? Netflix has... A year of maternity leave now. All of the big banks have moved from eight weeks to most of them are now 16 weeks. You know, I think the more and more access that we can give to people to have paid leave, the easier this becomes. But it's still a transition and we still need to support both men and women, but particularly women as they're coming back into the workforce after having a child and making sure that they're not getting you know, quote unquote, mommy tracked, um, Mm. and pushed out of those revenue generating roles or those creative roles for more of a support role where, you know, they're not needing to be in front of the client or they're not needing to travel as much or whatever the case may be. And I think it's really important that we're making sure we're giving women the support that they need to make a choice because it is okay if you want it, if you want that for you, but also that we're allowing them the flexibility to stay in if they want to.
3: Yeah. I mean, when we talk about maternity leave specifically, it's something that really does baffle me. My wife is a kindergarten teacher and gets mm-hmm. zero paid days. Zero. Yeah. Not a single paid day. Now, the law stipulates through you know the Family Medical Leave Act yep. that she ha- she is allowed to take, I believe it's I don't know, six six or, yeah, six weeks and still have a job, Yep, but not paid.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. not paid. And and, and that's, you know, and that's only for companies that have 50 or more employees. Wow. So if you work for a small business or you work for a startup or you work for yourself or anything like that, you have no access to leave from the Family Medical Leave Act. And so, you know, people are returning to work way too early. And, you know, from a health perspective, it's a problem, but definitely from, you know, a a ability to do well and to feel good about doing well at your job and also support your your infant. Um, I mean, there's so many things that go into this from being able to heal post having a baby. Yeah. By the way, that's not, you know, always a simple thing. Yeah. And to be able to breastfeed and to be able to attach to your child and, Uh, so there's so many aspects from a health perspective, but then also just from a mental place of being able to go back to work and do well and feel good about being back to work.
3: Looking at it from the perspective of a startup, a small startup, maybe it's 10 people. And if they lose one member of their team, that's 10%, right? And so how do we navigate that? What is the benefit to the corporation to be more flexible or say, hey, you know, go ahead and take two, three, four, six months off and we're going to pay you. I'm just playing bad guy here. But if I'm starting a company, that seems like it's going to be a real hit to the sustainability of what I'm trying to build.
2: And, And it definitely is, I think, from a pure cost benefit in the moment. But if that person, if that mom or that woman is an exceptional talent, and usually in the startup world, you're only hiring exceptional talent,
0: mm.
2: the, the process that you're going to have to go through to actually replace that person, the cost to find somebody else, anywhere from 25% of a salary to pay to replace them to four times a person's salary to pay to replace them, wow. it is important to really look at it, I think, holistically, as do we want to be a place where we are going to be supporting our, our team members and supporting our employees and helping them grow. And I do think that you have to be pragmatic. And and if you're walking into a startup, and you're walking into employee, or into a company of only 10 people, and you are planning to have children in the near term future, you know, you have to be open and having those conversations. And I think making sure that you're figuring out, you know, can we bring somebody in part time or, you know, is there a way for me to work flexibly? Can I work from home and work a few hours a day for a certain period of time? Yeah. The challenge I think is that we make assumptions that people can't do it. And so we either don't hire them or we, you know, write them off um, and we're not opening those those conversations.
3: You transitioned from that corporate job into what you do now with Live, Work, Lead as a coach, uh, working with women and men all across the country, I'm assuming doing various coaching activities. How was that transition given not only now are you leaving behind probably that at least the cushy salary, but you're yep. starting something new. You're launching a business. You have to learn. What was that transition like while also being a mom?
2: The transition was crazy.
3: Not yeah. Gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, it had been something that I had been thinking about making a transition in my career for a number of years. And I think one of the the key pieces to figuring out being a working parent and not feeling as guilty is loving your job Mm -hmm. and loving your career. Mm -hmm. And I didn't. You know, it was one of those things where I was in a very cushy salary to your point Mm -hmm. and I was in a kind of niche team that had a lot of credibility, a lot of prestige, but I didn't love the work. And it was also crazy hours, you know, a lot of weekends and a lot of, we need this in six hours. We need this in 24 hours, right? So it was all this immediacy Mm -hmm. that is very, very challenging as a parent. And so it was already in the back of my mind that I wanted to make a shift, um, in my own career and becoming a mom just really brought that right to the forefront. Mm -hmm. Because for me, if I was going to be away from my baby, I needed to really care about what I was doing. So I started actually coaching and doing trainings while still having my full-time job and having a four month old. Um, wow. And so I, you know, really had to figure out that kind of structure within my life and also get support. And I had to ask for help, which is something that I don't do well, <laughs> to be honest. And I think a lot of us don't. Uh, I think there's an expectation that we're supposed to do it all on our own. And so I did have to ask for help and, you know, bring kind of people into my life, uh, and, uh, you know, get some daycare help and also get my husband to help more than I think he expected to in the beginning. <laughs> and I did a lot of work at night. For better or worse, I sleep trained my child. <laughs> yeah. She had to be in bed so that I could work at wow. night. Uh, wow. And so that was a, a, a important aspect to this. And so I would work a lot at night and was doing kind of both for a while. And ultimately, I think, you know, when I went to leave my corporate job, there were a couple things in play. You know, One was, yes, I was in a cushy job and it was a decent salary, but the men on my team were still making 30% more than me. And every time I raised it and brought that to the forefront, I was kind of placated to, to and told that, oh, we're fixing it, we're working on it. But at the end of the day, the numbers were never coming back. Wow. And that was a huge driver for me to say, well, I'm going to leave. And then I think the the real kicker is when I actually you know made that decision and quit my job and talked to my boss and told him that I was going out on my own. He was like, "Oh, so you're going to go be a mom?" I was like, no. <laughs>
3: but thanks for making this easy on me. Easy.
2: Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's been a it was definitely a challenge, and I think it continues to be now having two kids and figuring out the juggle. But you know, I'm really mindful that it can't all be done in one day, right. and that it take time. And, you know, I tell all of my clients that you've got to focus on, you know, two to three things that you're really going to accomplish on the, in the day and everything else is just extra icing on the cake. And I, and I take that into my own life as well and figuring out how I'm going to, you know, accomplish what I need to and know that it doesn't have to all happen, you know, in the next 24 hours.
1: This week's episode is brought to you by audible. Audiobooks are great for helping you be a better you. Whether you want to feel healthier, get motivated, or learn something new. And with an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more, Audible has all the audio content you need to start your year on the right foot. With Audible, you can try books like Fire and Fury inside the Trump White House. I don't even know where to begin with this book. Fire and Fury is absolutely amazing, and it is a fantastic listen. I don't know if I can take it all at face value, but it is absolutely fascinating to get an inside look at the Trump White House by Michael Wolff. When you try out Audible, make sure Fire and Fury is one of the first books you download. Whether it's on your phone, through your car, from a tablet, or at home on an Amazon Echo, you can get through tons of books while doing almost anything. And Audible even lets you switch seamlessly between devices, picking up exactly where you left off. Listen, I'm sure you've heard of Audible, but now is an awesome time to try it out. Start a 30-day trial, and your first audiobook is free. Go to audible.com slash smart or text smart to 500-500. We've never had one of those before. How cool is that? Again, that's audible.com slash smart or text smart to 500, 500 for a 30-day trial and free first audiobook. You can do it with audiobooks. And now back to the episode.
3: Let me ask you on that. Are you speaking specifically if you have your children at home with you or is that something that you relate oh. to anyone, any parent who is trying to and, accomplish things?
2: Yeah, definitely. And I, and I will say that 100% I have child care. Like there's no way. I was going to say,
3: I was really wondering, I was like, wait, you run a business yeah. with kids at home because you can't even have a phone call. You can't even go to the bathroom when you have, I'm exactly. assuming two kids.
2: Exactly. So I definitely have child care and, and I think that is an important piece of any working parent uh, to be able to, you know, have that support, whether it's daycare or a nanny or an au pair or whatever, there's so many options out there. But I think really for any working parent, it's, That expectation that it has to happen now, and you know, it just piles up, and you're uh, constantly in reaction mode. And this really happens, I think, a lot in corporate America where you're responding to things and you're not really being proactive. And Mm. so, taking that control and trying to take that step back and really look at what is the priority, what are the top things that need to happen today, and what you know, what doesn't actually have to happen today? And also opening up conversations. I think one of the things that it really happens is we have this expectation that we have to get things done quickly. There's this level of immediacy in our world today, especially with technology and being able to respond 24 hours a day, is that we have to always give that response immediately or we always have to turn that project around immediately. And so just even having a conversation with your team or with your boss about, okay, so when does this actually need to be done?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And really
2: understanding what the level of priority is, because sometimes we don't do that and we just, you know, kind of anticipate that it must be done when we really have a week or a few days.
3: That's one of the number one things we talk about in the time management workshops I do is understand the nature of the time and what's being asked, because it's very often not what you expected. One of the things I love, I, I love having coaches on the show because you work with clients. It's mm-hmm. This isn't just theoretical. And so for all the parents out there listening, thinking, yeah, this sounds great, but I'm sure you've heard it. So, uh, so I want to make this as real world as possible. And I, I want to put one out there and then maybe talk to you about what you hear most. But what do you advise when people say, this sounds great, but... I have bills to pay. I now have more bills given the children. I don't love what I'm doing. How am I supposed to transition out of a job, take care of a new kid, be this powerful woman and all of the biases that are going on in the world? How do I navigate this? I'm sure sure that's why people actually hire you.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, exactly. It is why people hire me. And it's also why we work with companies to do this too. You know, as to go in and have a company that is supportive of this and to give women the time and the space to have these conversations. Because I do think there's this expectation that um, there is no more time for me and I have to, you know, be giving that to my kids. But it really comes back to that thought process of being on the airplane and you've got to put your oxygen mask on first before you put the oxygen, oxygen mask on your child or mm-hmm. the person that's sitting next to you. And I really do firmly believe that. So it is a half hour or an hour out of, you know, every week or two where you are being thoughtful about how you're planning your time and how you are really structuring the work that needs to get done both at home and at the office. And I think number one is the first place we really start with clients is understanding that mental load and your kind of quote unquote second shift, which is all the stuff that needs to happen when you walk in the house. You need to figure out first and foremost how to either better leverage your partner, how to outsource some of those items, how to figure out how to make it work for you, whether it's, you know, having food delivered from Amazon fresh. So you don't have to grocery shop or it's using a crock pot. So you don't have to worry about dinner. There are little tweaks that you can make, especially to kind of that quote unquote second shift that start to give you a little bit of breathing room. And once we have just a teensy bit of breathing room, you can start to think about what you really want in your career and how to have those conversations with your bosses and with your team to be able to be more flexible. I think the other thing that we really focus on, um, I would say the second biggest thing is how to start asking for what you need at work and knowing also when to be quiet. So once you've had that conversation and you've said to your boss, like, look, I need to shift my, my work day and I'm going to now work from 730 in the morning until, you know, 530 instead of 9 to 7 or whatever it is.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Once you've had that conversation and they've agreed, you've, you've gotten the green light, like you need to stop having that conversation. Mm-hmm. So instead of every day at 5 o'clock saying, hey, I'm out of here in a half hour, what else do you need? You just leave at 5.30. You've already agreed to that. And you don't want to keep drawing attention to it. And so really finding ways to address that second shift at home and then to really start asking for what you need at work. And that, that creates a little bit more space in your life.
1: I
3: really agree with and love the point you made about finding that little bit of space. It's actually something I have done in the past, some career coaching, specifically with young adults, even college students, my first thing is you have to just pause. You have to create space because your brain is working in the reactive portion and it can't yep. think creatively and, and it can't imagine a future if you're always reacting, responding, fight or flight. And so exactly. I think as a parent and a working parent, you would say, yeah, but I can't make that space. And what you're saying is first week, let's try and find 10 minutes second week, let's try and find 20. And over time, maybe you get to an hour where you get to consider what you want. Next, I wanted to uncover, have you helped women transition into those jobs that they like? Because as you mentioned, one of the hardest parts about being a new mom is if you have to leave something you love, i.e. your kid or kids to go to something you really don't, that is going to amplify the struggle. So what if I I don't like what I do, I'm a working parent, how do you navigate that transition? How do you help them find that next step professionally?
2: Yeah, and I think it's such an important piece to this because I do think that you have to love or at least strongly like what you do to be successful as a working parent and to, to really go after your own professional goals and not get derailed by the bias that's happening and not Um, take that step back and off-ramp or completely leave leave your job. So it's such an important conversation to have. And I think the first thing that we do is start to, once we've found that hour, to your point from earlier, take the time to really be thoughtful and strategic about the type of work that you want to be doing. I'm a firm believer that you have to play into your strengths, and you have to really think about, what your natural talents are, and where you are going to thrive easily. I think we have this notion that work has to be hard. I don't know if you've ever heard that from your parents growing up, but I always did that, you know, it's called work for a reason. It's a
3: four letter word. Come on, we know that. (laughs)
2: Exactly. And I, you know, and I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think, you know, if you're in a place where you're utilizing your strengths and the talents that you have, and you enjoy doing it, you're going to do well, much easier, and it's going to feel much more natural. So the first thing that I do with my clients is really start to look at what are the things that you really enjoy doing? What gives you energy? What lights you up? Um, Where do you feel like, oh my gosh, how did five hours fly by? I felt like that was 10 minutes, because you're so into what you're doing. And for some people that's really easy and for some people it takes a little bit of time for us to figure out what those things are. But once we understand what your strengths are, what your talents are, what you really love to do, you know, then it's about being really strategic about how do we pivot you into those type that type of work? And you know, that really gets into kind of a quote unquote traditional job hunt of rebranding yourself, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that you're you're pitching yourself correctly, that you're talking about your experience and your talents in a way that is going to pivot you into the role that you want. Um, That you're not just thinking about your resume as a list of all the things you've done, but is really a way to market yourself into what you want to do. You know, how do we really rephrase things, reformat the, the work that you love and bring that to the forefront? I think a lot of times people just list all the tasks that they've done. I think the other thing is, is looking at it from a confidence perspective too, you know, a lot of women particularly struggle with imposter syndrome. And so there's this thought that they can't make a move or that no one will, you know, find them credible. And so really looking at confidence and things, ways that you can change your body language and start to act in the way that you want to be seen, you Mm -hmm. know, dress the part, start to do the work, volunteer, whatever it is, to, uh, start to do the the type of work that's, you know, more in your strengths, the more you're going to feel at ease with it. And then, you know, it's about putting yourself in the right conversations. Um, you know, a job hunt is time consuming and it's difficult, but if you're strategic and you're really thoughtful about who you're talking to and how you're talking about yourself and really making sure that you're, pitching yourself in a way that's going to help people help you. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing is that people talk about, oh, I just hate what I do, but I don't really know what I want to do. And people don't know how to help you in that situation. But if you're very intentional, and you say, you know, I really am looking to make a move into more of a strategic role in digital marketing. Well, that's much more specific. And so you can start to have conversations with people around exactly the type of work that you want to be doing.
3: How do you recommend women handle the stress, the guilt? And by the way, not just women, but men. How do we all handle that after we bring a new life into the world and something genetically changes to where we just want to take care of them and and shield them? Now we're thrust back into this really 10 hours at a minimum, usually from commute to end. How do we handle that?
2: I think number one is planning. I mean, you you have to be really thoughtful about your day. It's important to kind of map out, like, what would ideally happen, right? Who's who's taking care of my child? How am I getting to work? How am I, you know, getting them out the door in the morning if they're going to daycare or transitioning them to a daycare provider in your home? Thinking through what might change at work and the conversations that you need to have before you go back, Right. So a lot of the work that I do with, with my clients is while they're on maternity leave and they're planning to come back to work. And so we're really going through those specific things around daycare, around flexibility that you might need at work, what, what you need to ask for at work. Um, are you breastfeeding? Are you not? How does that play into your day? And really understanding all of the things that they need first so that they can start to plan for them and ask for them. And so then you have mapped out what would ideally happen. Now, let's be honest, 98% of the time, nothing ever goes towards according to plan, mm-hmm. especially with kids, right? But if you have a, an, a plan of, of attack and you've got the diaper bag ready at the door and you know that when you get up in the morning, you're gonna immediately get dressed and then you're gonna go into the baby's room and get the baby dressed and you're you know gonna be, you're, you're taking the morning shift and maybe your partner's picking them up at the end of the day. You've got to have that plan in place or it's all going to go awry. So I think being really strategic about the, the how, how you're actually going to do it. And then having a backup plan, you know, when thing, when the baby gets sick, what do you need to do? Um, a lot of companies, especially bigger companies do offer some sort of like backup care, but you have to have had your doctor's notes submitted to the backup care, and you have to make sure that all the, their vaccines are up to date. So even planning before it happens, how you're going to handle something when, you know, your kids get sick, or your daycare provider doesn't show up, or you need that backup plan. Mm. So being really thoughtful about that as well. And then I think I kind of mentioned this before, but this idea of the second shift at home, and, and that mothers really end up holding the brunt of that, you know, whether it's prepping for dinner and bedtime and, and keeping your house clean or not clean. is my case is, let me tell you, my house is definitely a mess at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think really making sure that you're not just planning for your workday, but you're also planning for when you get home and figuring out how you can split responsibilities and split them entirely. And what I mean by that is, if you're gonna split, if, if you're in a situation where you have a partner, first of all, because I think that's important to realize that some people just don't, and that's a whole other ballgame.
3: Which, by the way, those of you out there who don't, you're you're honestly superheroes. Yeah. Uh, you just are. 100%. So, yeah,
2: yes, completely, completely agree. Um, but for those of you that that have that partner, I think when you're planning through, okay, we're gonna split up responsibilities. It's also the whole piece of it. So if I'm going to be responsible for grocery shopping, then I'm also responsible for figuring out what we need. You know, if you're going to be responsible for doing all of the doctor's appointment scheduling and, you know, managing the calendars, you need to be the one thinking about when are the signups? When are the, um, when is the next thing that I need to be putting on the calendar? How do I follow up with the doctor? Because I think what happens a lot of times is that you have one person in the household who is responsible for the thought planning and the strategy of the house. And then you're only splitting up the execution. Mm. And if you think about it from a work perspective, you know, there's somebody who's in charge of strategy. And then there's somebody else who's in charge of execution.
3: Okay, I, I got to cut you off here. Because you just, what you said just hurts because, (laughs) because I'm going, I'm in my head. I'm giving myself a high five. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I do so much work at home. I'm such a good dad, but, and I've, I, I know this internally, but I am terrible with the strategy part. When do we do? I just don't like planning. It's one of the reasons I married my wife. She's amazing at this, but You know, when are we doing this? Who's watching him? What's the food? Let's think about what are we going to have for dinner? I always just say, you know what? You just think about it. Tell me and I'll do it. But the strategy portion, in my opinion, is actually more difficult than the doing.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so if you're doing a hundred percent of the doing, then you guys sure. have got it made, sure. right? But, but most I'm not of the, time, that's not the <laughs> case. No. Exactly. So, you know, you've got to be thinking about how do you split it up, either that one person is always doing the planning and one person's doing the execution, or how do you really take full ownership of something?
3: Mm. Well, Mary Beth, I know you've you've gotta hop and get on another call, but I really appreciate it. I think it's a subject that is hopefully gaining some some coverage and some popularity because it is something that previously has not been properly vetted and talked about. Yeah. So thank you for bringing it to the forefront. Liveworklead.com is your website. What else would you like to tell our listeners where they can find you, how they might work with you if, if this is something they're struggling with?
2: Yeah, definitely. So we have a few different programs out there. So I would, I would encourage all of you to head over to our website, liveworklead.com. I have a 10-step guide to figuring out how to get more time with your baby. So start there, of course. Um, we do one-on-one coaching. We also have a working mom's quote-unquote mommy and me or not-so-mommy and me hmm. that is a virtual support program um, where you can you know, connect with other moms, have that conversation both around career and about being a new mom, it's kind of part career coaching, part mommy and me. And it's a really great way to connect with people and gain that that community that I think we often lack as working moms because we're not able to make it to that music class or to that, you know, mommy and me class at ten A. M. on a Thursday. Mm -hmm. So those are the two kind of best ways to work with us, you know, also we do work with companies. So, you know, if you're an HR professional or you want your company to get interested in working with us, we do trainings and workshops and we also bring all of our coaching and programs into in-house at companies as well.
3: Fantastic. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. I
1: really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Chris. It was great to talk to you.
1: Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mary Beth Ferrante. Mary Beth's work can be found at liveworklead.com. Again, that's liveworklead.com. As always, thank you so much for downloading the show. If you enjoyed the show, one favor to ask of you. Please head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review over there. It definitely helps out the show. And Chris and I greatly appreciate seeing those reviews on there not only as affirmation, but it is a fantastic place to get feedback. And if you'd ever like to give us additional feedback or just reach out to the show, you can email us at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. All right, that's it for us this week. Please make sure you stay tuned. Head over to smartpeoplepodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter. And we've got some great interviews coming up. So we will see you all next episode.